This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. October 14th, 1919. George Tyler bursts into the Harlem offices of the UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement Association. He demands to see the UNIA's founder and leader, who comes into the room to see what the commotion's about. Tyler shoots him, a glancing wound to the head, and two in the leg. The UNIA's founder and leader is Marcus Garvey, a 31-year-old Jamaican who'd founded the Black Nationalist Fraternal Organization in Kingston in 1914. He moved to New York in 1916. 1919 had already been a busy year for Garvey. He'd launched two significant businesses, the Negro Factories Corporation and the Black Star Steamship Line, both intended to foster economic opportunity for African Americans outside of the Jim Crow economy of the American South and the white-dominated economy of the North. The year before that, Garvey and the UNIA had launched the Negro World, a weekly newspaper that would become one of the biggest and most successful African-American papers and an important part of the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s. These and other ventures were part of Garvey's philosophy of blacks becoming self-reliant, separate from the whites who would oppress them. Without commerce and industry, a people perish economically, he said. The Negro is perishing because he has no economic system. Garvey was said to be a great speaker and an excellent salesman. He sometimes dressed in elaborate, old-fashioned military outfits with feathered helmets and epaulets and medals. He's mostly associated today with the Back to Africa movement, but that movement had peaked in the decades after the Civil War, with very few blacks returning to their ancestral homes. Garvey wanted blacks the world over to be financially and politically independent. He thought Africa should be one country, with him as its leader. But though he traveled widely in his lifetime, he never set foot in Africa. Also in 1919, Garvey became a target of J. Edgar Hoover. The future director of the FBI was then working for its predecessor, the Bureau of Investigation. At 24, he was the head of the General Intelligence Division, sometimes called the Radical Division. It was launched to monitor radicals. America's first Red Scare was just underway. In November of 1919, Hoover hired a D.C. cop by the name of James Wormley Jones to infiltrate the UNIA and root out subversive activity. He was the first black federal agent. The Bureau did get their man in Garvey, but not for any subversion. He was charged with mail fraud in 1922 for printing a brochure advertising the sale of stock in a ship that the Black Star Steamship Line didn't own. It was at this point that Garvey's reputation, always controversial, took a real turn. He blamed more moderate black activists for his troubles, including the NAACP. He also blamed Jews. And he began aligning publicly with white nationalists with whom he shared a view that blacks and whites should be separate. 
To that point, the mainstream media had mostly painted him as, in the language of the day, a Negro leader. Now he was mostly portrayed as an oddball, a con man. He was convicted in 1923 and sent to prison in 1925 when his appeals were exhausted. In 1927, President Calvin Coolidge commuted Garvey's sentence and deported him to his native Jamaica. He lived there until 1935, then moved to London. His health and fortunes both declined over the course of the Depression. So who was George Taylor, and why did he shoot Marcus Garvey in 1919? We don't really know. There's a story that before he started shooting, he said he was sent by the assistant district attorney who had investigated Garvey but come up empty, but that's never been confirmed. After the shooting, Tyler fought his way out of the office but was arrested later that day. The next day, he fell out of a window, or he jumped out of it, and he was killed. There's a healthy tradition in world history of murder suspects finding themselves falling out of windows. Marcus Garvey lived in London until he died in 1940, following a series of strokes. He was 52 years old. He was largely forgotten in the decades after his death, but his reputation was resurrected in the 1960s, when he was cited as an influence by leaders of the Black Power Movement, especially Malcolm X. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your center.